Welcome to Girls That Invest. You're joined today by your hosts, Tim and Sonia, two millennial investors who are here to help you learn about all things investing and personal finance. Sonia, why are you so happy to see me? I see you too much at this point. That's what happens when you work together (laughs) full time. Well, I'm really excited for this episode because I feel like it's quite juicy. Are we really going to go there? Are we going to name drop some companies that would never invest in? Let's do it. I think that today's episode, you know, and you're seeing the titles, you probably know what it's about. We are going to dive in to four companies that we would never buy individual shares of. Now, before we begin, I want to preface a little hiccup, which is that with ETFs, for example, you guys know that we're, or at least I'm a huge fan of the S&P 500. I would say we. We. I also have a couple of shares in VTI, which includes all of the companies in the US stock market. The dilemma is that there are some companies that I would not invest in directly, but I am sure at some point in time they will slip into either the S&P 500 or VTI. Well, they would be in VTI if they're US-based. So I don't want to be a hypocrite and say that none of my money will ever be in any of these companies because with an index fund, you've got so many companies, it might be 0.0003% of a dollar but it's still technically invested in that. So, you know, big disclaimer. Yeah, I think, I don't know, is it a little bit naive to think that we would never have our money touch these companies because we're such a big fan of ETF? So I'm glad that we've cleared that up off the bat. A hundred percent. And I think, you know, we do get this question a lot with people saying like, hey, I want to invest in XYZ, but that has like a company of like this or that and I don't know how I feel about it and it's such a personal thing there are going to be people listening to this going I would never do that if you know x company is in in that ETF I would never invest in that ETF and that's totally fine and props to you I think that's a great way of doing it for yourself someone else might go I don't really care but I don't want to invest in that company directly like I'd never buy a whole share of them totally fine as well it doesn't make you any less of an ethical investor and the reason I say that is because what is ethical investing it's investing in something that aligns with your personal values your personal morals your religious beliefs and so it's going to be different even between me and you we have different ethical beliefs and I think that's great for empowerment as well like you know where you're putting your money and if you've got those hard no's you know not to invest in said companies or in said ETFs even if that 0.0 whatever amount does affect you 100% so without further ado here are four companies that we would never invest in directly asterisk <laughs> number one may not surprise some people, but also may surprise people that haven't heard of this, Nestle. Nestle is a, a multinational company, which means it's spread around the world. And one of the articles about Nestle that I saw not too long ago was, why is Nestle one of the most hated companies in the world? No fluffing around. If you are someone that is into sustainable spending, sustainable consumer culture, you probably have heard of Nestle. It's definitely like a big no-no when it comes to being conscious in those things. In all honesty, we could probably do an entire episode on the sort of downfall of Nestle, but let's keep it to some of the main points. First biggest controversy was that in the 1970s, they were kind of rapidly expanding and they thought, you know what, you know what would be a great business model? exploiting women in developing countries, specifically mothers, because, you know, they don't have access to the education. Let's use our baby formulas and milk formulas and show it to them as a product that's going to stop their children from being malnourished. Good intentions, maybe, I don't know. But 
what happened is that these women would often have to combine unclean water and frequently distill the expensive formula, so much so that babies remained malnourished and Nestle did nothing about it. They doubled down for a while, if anything, and it got to a point where people had to boycott them for them to listen. Eventually, in 1984, they were officially sort of retracting their stance, but that was when the World Health Organization got involved. Obviously, when who gets involved, it's going to have massive repercussions to your brand perception, thus in turn your bottom line. So obviously, they only started doing stuff when it got to that extreme. Exactly. And there's been so many other controversies, like just to name drop a few, one was that in 2003 in Europe, they were selling beef and it was actually mixed with like horse meat. They've also had a lot of controversies with water, you know, taking clean water, bottling it and reselling it back to communities, which, you know, has its own issues. And I do want to mention that in 2021, so last year, they did end up selling their North American bottled water business. So that is now removed, but it was just obviously a really big issue for a number of reasons. But the one that really got to me was the palm oil. They ended up having Greenpeace in 2010 come up to them and be like, please stop using palm oil. The production is, of course, linked to rainforest destruction, especially in Indonesia. So from a number of different perspectives, like exploitation of communities, rainforest destruction, global warming, like just a great trifecta of things that I don't believe in. And so after two months, they did cave in once Greenpeace was involved, but I'm just not a fan of a company that does wrong and then doesn't listen to consumers, but only jumps in when larger organizations are stepping in. And one of the things that I wanted to mention, so with investing and ethical investing, there's a way to actually measure how messed up a company is. And we call that the ESG risk scale. So from zero to a hundred, zero being perfect company, no issues, being runaway, we can actually number these. And so with Nestle, they sit at 24 out of 100. It seems low, but you have to think not that many companies get to like 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. So even though they're at 24 out of 100, the percentile is that they're kind of on the worse half rather than the better half. It's like a bell curve, but more sort of directed towards the lower numbers, like most companies usually fall between one to 10. And then another scale that we also look at is the ESG um, controversy risk of one to five, one being not controversial, five being controversial. And they actually sit at three out of five. So pretty controversial, more controversial than other companies in their industry. And I just think that's one of the reasons why I will never invest in them, at least directly. For business owners, every transaction is more than just a swipe of a card. It's the culmination of your hard work, dedication, and commitment to your customers. That's why I'm excited to share with you a game-changing solution that's simplifying the way businesses like yours accept payments. Introducing Tap to Pay on iPhone, powered by Stripe. Contactless payments has never been easier. You can seamlessly accept contactless payments directly from your iPhone, and the best part, there's no additional hardware required. 
Think about it. From local pop-ups to global retailers, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe cater to businesses of all sizes, empowering them to accept payments right from their iPhones. It's a game changer for businesses looking to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup that takes minutes, not days. So how can Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe benefit your business? It's simple. Increased revenue, expanded reach and enhanced customer experience. It's a win-win-win. To learn more about how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can transform your business, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone today. Next company that we want to talk about is Johnson & Johnson. Now, Johnson & Johnson, they have been in the news probably every other month. At the moment, they are the biggest healthcare company in the world. I feel like in recent years, one of the most notable recalls that they've had to do was they recalled 33,000 bottles of baby powder. And it's because people found a small amount of carcinogen in the powder. The talcum powder, that product itself, it had 27,168 lawsuits against this product, against the company for this particular product. And the top two reasons why, in terms of like injuries and like the side effects caused on these people from using the powder, was cancer. The number one being ovarian cancer. As Sim said before, that scale out of 100, Johnson & Johnson, wow, a bit out. Nestle, 27 out of 100. And with their controversy scale, they sit at a easy four out of five. I understand that Nestle isn't a part of the S&P 500, but I hate to be the bearer of bad news. Guess who's part of the S&P 500? Your main boy, J&J. One thing that like really shocked me is that Johnson & Johnson are not only in the S&P 500, they are actually quite high up. They are a number 11 out of the 500 companies. So you actually do have a big stake in them. And so again, if you're someone that doesn't want to invest in them, not only as individual shares, but also in ETFs, then you might want to look at more ethical ETFs out there because SPY, VOO, VTI, they're going to have a big stake in Johnson and Johnson. Moving along to the third company that I wouldn't personally ever invest in is Philip Morris. Philip Morris, for those that maybe are a bit younger or you know aren't too familiar with, is a tobacco company. Now, there's this one quote that Warren Buffett once said, which is probably one of the few quotes that I don't agree with. And he said that the sale of tobacco not only generates extremely high profit margins, but also provides firms with access to a vast and captive target market. So Warren Buffett was out here being like, Tobacco companies are good investments for your money and they're actually quite, you'll be surprised, they're quite popular in investment funds because they are so lucrative. Before like ESG investing was really popular, you could probably find in a fund the top five, ten companies were tobacco companies, which is wild. But for me, really any tobacco company, but Philip Morris, just because it is one of the bigger ones, is just something that I don't believe in. It's a carcinogen, number one, but just the idea of profiting off something that literally is going to cause the decline in your health. You're well aware of this. Sure, back in the day, we didn't realize that tobacco was so bad. Physicians used to recommend it. We've kind of backtracked on that. 
we know better now and I don't see the point of still investing in something like this. On a controversy risk, 23 out of 100, not as bad as Johnson & Johnson. And the controversy risk is 3 out of 5 and Johnson & Johnson was 4 out of 5. Now, the last company that we wouldn't invest in, or I personally wouldn't invest in, I'm keen to hear your thoughts because I don't know if this is a little bit random compared to the other companies we've just spoken about, but it's Victoria's Secret. Victoria's Secret is a, well, they kind of brand themselves as like a luxury lingerie company. And of course, like the famous Victoria's Secret fashion show with all the beautiful models. You've got Adriana Lima and Miranda Kerr, just these really high profile, beautiful models. In terms of why I personally would not invest in them, they've just had so many like controversies around how they treat their models, their views on women and beauty standards, and they've been so like loud about it. Ed Razik, I'm not too sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but he's made some pretty disgusting comments about trans women and about how trans women could never like walk the show and how they'd never allow it because in his opinion, he doesn't view them as women or feminine. And they also had a dispute over fair trade cotton because suppliers claimed that they were unable to meet their demand without exploiting children, so without using child labor, which you're a billion dollar company under another billion dollar company. What do you mean? Mm. It's so interesting because I wasn't that familiar with like the Victoria's Secret controversies. I kind of remember growing up and seeing them being a real big part of like pop culture in our lives and kind of seeing that diminish over time. And I've always wanted to know what it was. And it's just so interesting that that's a huge part of it. And I'm, I mean, I'm glad it's been called out. And I, I feel like definitely from a consumer culture point of view, a lot of us have stopped shopping there and spending our money there. And it's just really interesting to see that a lot of us are not investing there either because it's the same principles that apply, right? Like to say we can't afford to pay people properly for our cotton when you're such a big company and yet smaller companies do, they just take less of a cut, you know, from the profit side of things is unacceptable. And if you can do that to children, like where are your ethics? Where does your ethics lie as a company? I think this has been such a great discussion because we've really spoken about different reasons why we wouldn't invest in different companies. And sometimes it's a case of, you know, they've done something environmentally that we're not okay with, or they cause further health issues and things that we don't believe in, or they didn't respond well to controversy, or in this case, you know, what you've just spoken about. So just to wrap up, the four companies that we would not invest in individually is Nestle, Johnson & Johnson, Philip Morris International, and Victoria's Secret. Now, I do want to leave you guys with one last thing, which is that just because we don't invest in these companies doesn't mean that you should not because our views are going to be our views and they're going to be different to yours. And if you're sitting here and you've got a Philip Morris stock in your account, we are not going to judge you or recommend or suggest that you remove it. That's your choice. And there's so many other factors that are involved. But I think what might have been helpful is just understanding our thought process of why we screen companies a certain way and taking that thought process and incorporating it into yourself so that you kind of understand why we do what we do, but not to just take it as factual information or, you know, oath. So I think that's a good place to leave it. As always, 
you know, check out our Facebook group. We've got 10,000 followers in there, which is amazing. Is there a company that you wouldn't invest in ever? Drop it in our Facebook group. We're going to have a post there where we can discuss things a little bit further. Also join us on Instagram at Girls That Invest. If you liked this podcast, please rate it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We'd love to hear your feedback. And of course, if you've got any information, never be afraid to reach out to us. We always love hearing from you. Now, disclaimer. Girls That Invest does not provide personalized investing advice for your individual needs. We're not financial advisors. The advice from Girls That Invest exists for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make an investing or financial decision. Advice from Girls That Invest is general in nature and does not consider your individual circumstances. Always do your research and please use your due diligence. All right, till next time, Sonia. Till next time, Sim. Bye.